Hey, podcast. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast on agronomy. Chris and Adam have an excellent conversation on what's going on throughout the country and cover almost every agronomic question that we've heard over the last few weeks. Also, Chris mentions a margin enhancement tool while talking to Adam. This is an awesome tool that we have available for making continued management decisions, such as fungicide applications, and we'll send it out to anyone if you're interested. You can request the tool by emailing us at cbaron at agviewsolutions.com. Adam does an excellent job answering many of the questions that we know are on producers' minds. Enjoy. Welcome to the AgView Pitch, everybody. Today, you've got uh, Chris Barron and Adam Brinker. He's a strategic account manager with Corteva, and he's working out of southeast Iowa. And Adam, we, we had a conversation with you here a couple months back, and I wanted to reconnect with you and have a little conversation on some of the agronomic topics that are going on here today you want to kind of give yourself a little reintroduction and and we can kind of start the conversation on what the weather holds and a few other agronomic topics yeah sure sounds good yeah i'm adam brinker like chris said i work with our strategic accounts across southern iowa kind of go about an hour west of des moines over to the mississippi river and then kind of that highway 20 highway 30 area on the north side down to uh i'll dip into missouri just a little bit so get to see kind of the whole gamut this year on what's going on out there yeah what do you what are you hearing from your counterparts are you hearing much you know to the east or anything with some of the challenges your counterparts are going through well it, it it's very pockety but in general as you've um have you seen in your tours as you go east it just gets a lot a lot rougher when you cross over that river there um, in general, as you go west, uh, things kind of pick up a little bit. I'm going to be with my counterpart uh, from Nebraska later on this week, but in earlier travels of mine, kind of western Iowa and eastern Nebraska, I'd say as a, a big, as a large area, would be one of the better looking uh, parts of the country right now. But I need to get back over there. That's that's a little bit old data. Yeah, well, and it's kind of kind of rhymes with what we've been hearing um, you know, go west, it gets better. Go east, it gets worse. And kind of been the theme all along. Um, let's talk a little bit about kind of what the weather holds as we move forward. Uh, Dwayne and I have been talking about this this hot forecast and high temperatures and stuff. And some of these fields are getting close or are just starting to pollinate. And we're going to probably have three phases of pollination because there was, you know, realistically three primary planting dates across the whole entire corn belt so in this first phase of pollination what you know what are some of the watch outs or some of the concerns that we might have as this hot temperatures are coming our way and and probably some dry conditions as well right right well i'm going to back up just a little bit from there um one thing that this heat has done for us is actually uh it's brought um or it's kind of slowed down disease progression so um, the gray leaf spot that we are seeing out there in pockets is uh, is actually um, it's actually kind of getting slowed down because we don't have the moisture out there. The other thing is what this kind of hotter, drier weather is doing is keeping the storms at bay for a little while until maybe this hurricane pushes up. So a corn is the most brittle in life, kind of a, a week or two before uh, before tassels come out. So actually, uh, the fact we're having this this hotter, drier weather is probably keeping some of those brittle risks at bay as well. Um, looking at the different planting dates, you're exactly right. We had 
about three different succinct uh, plant dates out there. And the April corn is really just getting into pollination. Some of the, the pre-Easter corn started, uh, started dropping pollen last week. And uh, most of that April corn uh, will be pollinating this week. And maybe by uh, next weekend, we'll see some of that May corn starting to pop tassels as well. Uh, we're really looking at that that early June corn right now. We're about two weeks out from uh, from pollination. That's a just an educated guess at this point based on average temperatures that we should see from here on out. Gotcha. What what do you think on uh, fungicide? I mean, are, are growers in your area and some of your counterparts are you hearing that people are talking about you know fungicides? And now you you know you're talking about we're drying drying up here and slowing that disease pressure down um what are you hearing on that front well it kind of goes in pockets but my opinion is we need to decide if we're going to spray fungicide in the winter and then call an audible if things do fall apart completely but maybe just push the timing of that fungicide a little earlier or a little later depending on when we do see disease coming in it is uh since since our disease pressure is a little bit lighter right now, for the most part, um, pushing it a little bit later, maybe not as big of a need to hit right at full tassel exertion right now, um, just because of the kind of delay in disease progression is probably okay. But I, a lot of growers are still planning on managing the crop or at least the best looking fields out there. The, the problem with fungicide timing is a lot of those early planted fields in April and May have a lot of uh, unevenness out there. So you, may, you might go from full tassel to chest high in the same field by going just a, you know 50 feet across the field. So knowing when to pull the trigger is going to be a little tougher this year. How late can we go with the fungicide? And, you know, if, if we stay dry and we keep stuff at bay, what's the latest that you would think you could go with the fungicide from plant development? Are you talking from a growth date standpoint or a calendar date on that one? Both. <laughs> Both. Oh, geez. <laughs> well, that that gets that that kind of becomes operation by operation, field right. by field, and what part of the country you're in. Um, since I go down into northern Missouri a little bit, we can we have a little excess growing season, a few ex, excess GDUs normally. So uh, spraying a little later isn't as much of a worry there. Um, you know, when you're spraying fungicide, you're not adding bushels, you're not adding moisture, you're just keeping the plant alive longer, and you're protecting the, uh, the yield potential that that plant has. So by not spraying, because you might think we're going to delay maturity farther, well, you're also kind of, you're making a bet there that, uh, you know, the bushels might not be there as well. Right. What, uh, Let's talk about soybeans for a minute. What are you seeing um, both in your area and from some of your counterparts? And what are some of the things that we need to be doing from a management perspective? And then we'll come back to corn on some nitrogen stuff. But on let's hit so soybeans for a minute here since we're on the topic of fungicides. Yeah, yeah. So on soybeans, uh, most fields are R1 or R2. So beginning bloom or full bloom right now. There's probably a few of those April planted fields, those pre-Easter soybean fields with some of the shorter season beans that are hitting at R3 this week. Um, so R3 is a, a pod that is three-eighths of an inch long or longer on one of the four uppermost nodes of the plant with a, with a fully developed trifoliate on it. So 
R3 to R5 is the time we'll want to spray fungicide, insecticide out there on our beans. And uh, we're going to be hitting that ideal timing here in the next couple of weeks for most fields across the uh, oh, southern Iowa. But there's gonna, there could be a few of those very early fields that we're getting right there right now. Um, from, a, from a pest standpoint, um, there's some Japanese beetles doing some work out there. And we had some thistle caterpillars that I'm sure you saw or heard about a few weeks ago or about a month ago. Well, the second generation of those are starting to do some feeding out there. And that fungicide insecticide timing at R3, R4 is probably going to line up with, uh, with knocking those out fairly well. With all the late planted soybeans, I mean, there's a, a higher percentage of late planted soybeans, I think, than maybe I've ever seen. And yeah, are there any certain special watch outs for that crop being planted so late or anything we need to really be watching that that's going to be unique to a, nor, uh, to a quote unquote normal year man they're just they're just going to be short um we're going to see some beans that never canopy out there and my worry with a lot of them is we just we didn't get enough uh, population out there in some cases the general trend has been to cut soybean populations and when we're pl the, the, the whole idea behind planting early is to get more nodes out there because each node has is a place to put a pod. And um, unfortunately, on the, these late planted beans, there's nothing we can really correct with what I think is going to be one of the biggest issues. And we didn't get enough plants to get enough nodes out there because when you plant late, you just have fewer nodes per plant. And uh, that's going to be, I think, one of our bigger struggles. And then we'll just have to watch the insect pressure as, as it goes along. But uh, the biggest thing is don't give up on managing them just because maybe we didn't get them planted at the ideal time. Yeah, well, that's good comment, too, because when we were out east, Shane, I didn't comment on it, but we noticed a few of the soybean fields. You could tell that they were planted probably pushing 200,000 population, and they were definitely better looking. You could tell they were planted later. Uh, but that extra population just gave them a little bit more of a boost. That competition growth, you could just see it, it made an, you know, was making a difference on how fast those beans were growing. So that's a really good comment, I think, too. Yeah, um, we're gonna, the beans just, they're take, they took forever to start growing, it felt like, this year. So there were some beans that were six, eight inches tall that were throwing blooms already. And we're just not going to have the height on them, it looks like. But a lot of growing season left to go. Are there any, you know, insects, you know, if we start getting hot and dry, um, spider mites, any, you know, anything in particular uh, to kind of be watching for, do you think, if we stay hot and dry here for an extended period of time on the soybean side? You just hit it. The, the spider mites are usually the, the biggest issue if we get hot and dry like this. Haven't seen any yet. Um, usually when we're hot and dry, we don't see the aphid issues. So that, that's a positive, but the, the spider mites, if we don't get a shower to break things up a little bit in the next week, I'm sure we'll see some stuff down South, uh, starting to show some spider mite populations or have a good probability of things like that starting to show up. Gotcha. Let's circle back to corn again for a minute. Um, talk a little bit about nitrogen. Um, we saw in our trip you know and uh, last week when we went over to Ohio um, just a ton of discolored corn unevenness and stuff but a lot of it I think was due just to well lack of oxygen for one but the other thing is just just the nitrogen you know probably denitrification a lot of areas what's your thought on you know coming back here late with some additional nitrogen um, talk a little bit about about that and what 
what you're seeing in that arena? Well, um, here at Pioneer, we have uh, in circa nitrogen modeling. So I've run a lot of different scenarios out there looking at different uh, forms of nitrogen put on at different timings. And really, even though we got excessive rainfall, um, a lot of that rain came when we were pretty cool. And I need to run some, some more uh, simulations to keep an eye on it here now that we're, we're a little bit farther into it. But those earlier mod, the earlier modeling actually said that, yeah, we lost some nitrogen, but we're probably going to be okay yet. Um, I was a little bit surprised with that. But again, each, that was just the few fields that I ran it on. Each field, um, the topography differences, there's going to be differences for, for everybody out there. So um, it's really a field by field issue. So um, if you have any questions, get a hold of your local Pioneer sales professional and they can help you with some of that. Okay, you bet. What, uh, what do you think as far as um, maturity on the corn? You know, with all these late planted fields and stuff, a lot of people did switch to some earlier hybrids and that type of thing along the way. Um, uh, how concerned are you guys from what you're seeing with growers um, making it to normal frost date and being safe? I mean, if we have an early freeze, I know a lot of growers are pretty concerned about, you know, a normal freeze is probably two weeks too soon for a lot of growers. Are you seeing similar um, concerns or what, what's your thought on, on just getting this crop mature? I mean, we're, we're maxing out GDUs right now <laughs> as long right, as we keep right. doing that, I guess. So yeah, we're um, on average here in central Iowa, we're grabbing about 25 GDUs a day through the month of July. Um, here recently, we've been grabbing some days closer to 30. So every, every few extra we can pick up in a day, whether that's two or five, it all helps a little bit. Um, with a normal free, with a normal frost date, we, we could have some issues on some of this later planted corn, but we got to remember when we planted late, like when I say late, I'm talking more of the June stuff, those hybrids are shortening up the, the GDUs they need to reach, uh, reach flowering and reach maturity. So that's going to help us quite a bit in itself. And, and we planted shorter season products a lot of times when we were planting very late like that. So really, I think we're going to be okay on a lot of this corn if we have an average or slightly later than average frost date. But you never know. The problem is that frost date can swing either direction by two or three weeks. And that's what we'll, that's what we'll be monitoring. Um, I've only been in this industry for, I guess, not as long as some others. And uh, 2009 is my most recent memory of seeing one of those early early frosts with a, a cool wet harvest going on. And I just remember some, some spongy cobs and some things we had to deal with when we do hit a, if we would happen to hit another year where we had a fro hard frost or killing frost before black layer. When we get a hard frost after black layer and get cool, we, we tend to dry down slow, but it's, it's when that killing frost comes in before black layer that the, the plant just doesn't have time to senesce properly. Some of the concerns that that I think growers have that I I continue to hear is, you know, with the fungicide application on some of this late planted corn, is there a risk of extending the, you know, the date that that hybrid's going to be mature? And then, you know, are we putting ourselves at more risk or is it a situation where 
you know, the disease is going to take enough bushels away, that risk is worth it. Talk to me for a second about kind of what, what your thoughts are on, on the concern of should I or shouldn't I spray fungicide? Right, right. Well, I think we got, that's going to be a field by field decision. We've got to look at back to the basics on, okay, which environments are going to have the most disease pressure, you know, corn on corn, higher residue, things like that. Fuller season products, since they have a longer grain fill period, usually respond more to, to fungicide than our shorter season products. Um, but we got to look at what our yield potential is. There's some fields out there that were planted fairly early in April or early May that still have our, you know, 200 or, you know, somewhere in the mid twos on yield potential. But then we get into some of these other situations. Um, I saw some replant within a field. Um, you know, we had April planted and June planted in the same field I was looking at last week. And that June planted corn was, was rolled up tight and about knee high. Um, you know, if there's a whole field that looks like that, it's, we're way, way, or we're way off from uh, fungicide timing anyway. So we just got to hold off on that and see what it looks like later and see if we have the, uh, see if we have the, the field that looks like we, we need to do something with it. If, mm-hmm. if on average we see a seven to eight bushel response to fungicide, uh, we got to look at, okay, does that seven to eight bushels, that's going to be somewhat a percentage as well. So, you know, if we're looking at 150 bushel corn, that's a little different equation than if we're looking at 200 plus bushel corn. So it, it really comes down to, to field by field. But you got to remember, again, when we're spraying fungicide, we're not actually adding bushels. We're protecting the yield potential that's out there. So if you if you spray half of a field with fungicide and it does pick, it does hold a few points of moisture more than the part of the field that you didn't spray, you kept your corn from dying prematurely. So that usually adds some bushels as well. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, there, there's going to be a little more moisture with that because you kept it greener for longer. Right. And just to make a comment um, at AgView Solutions, we do have a tool and I just sent it to you as well, um, Adam, and we'll have a we have a margin enhancement calculator that growers can kind of run the numbers and see that, you know, at least get some numbers on it. And, and like we've always said with the AgView pitch, we're really not trying to give any recommendations here, but we're just trying to bring a good perspective and, and bring information so that, you know, growers can, can make the best decisions and try to get the most amount of information and high quality information in front of everybody as we can. Um, Adam, uh, as we kind of wrap up here, any final thoughts or anything questions I haven't asked or challenges or issues or anything out there that you're seeing that, that, um, that you can think of that we haven't discussed that we should touch on yet? No, well, I guess the one thing, just back to pollination, um, pollination for corn usually takes about five to eight days. So we don't want a hundred degree days through that entire time period. But e- even if we just have a few days that are a little, little warmer than we want, we're still probably going to pollinate. What I'm probably a little more worried about is uh, the two weeks after silking. Um, that's when we tend to start aborting those kernels that, that did that did pollinate. And uh, we can get a little prematurely excited if we start counting kernels long shortly after pollination. So I'm really going to look a little bit more at the weather after pollination wraps up and what the, those next two weeks look like. And I think that's going to have a lot of effect on our kernel count out there. Mm, that's great information. What, uh, um, as we look at the heat, um, 
what what do you think you know 10 how many you know how many days i guess i'm trying to think how i want to ask the question how many how many uh days after that i mean you just kind of keep watching it and you can just kind of see how the ears aborting kernels along the way right right so um, most of the kernels are aborted during r2 and r3 so okay that's about um that's several you know a couple weeks after right actually so um yeah we'll just have to again don't get out there too early i guess when you're looking at the weather again it takes several days in a row over you know 100 degrees i believe to this is going from memory to knock you know pollen down and actually make it not viable so we'll probably be okay there it's just when we start getting too many nights not getting below that 73 or so degree mark is when we start burning up energy in that plant just to try to uh, respire, respire properly and not cool down like we want it to. That's when we can start seeing some issues here. So again, a lot of this early corn is kind of in that critical time and we'd like to probably see a drink and a little cool down here at some point, but uh, we'll probably get through pollination okay. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't do a very good job answer asking that question, but it was you answered what I didn't ask, which was the nighttime temperature, the impact of the nighttime temperatures being high, um, you know, how much of an effect that has, maybe even more so than the daytime temperatures. Yep, so. and uh, the University of Nebraska-Lincoln put uh, out a neat piece showing how much water a plant needs per day, and then... Uh, by growth stage and then what that potential yield loss could be based on that and they they're showing from vt to r1 they're saying we're using almost a third of an inch a day and they say uh yield loss of up to eight percent uh yield loss per day with stress during that period now the thing is what what are they calling stress um it's fairly natural for a corn plant to to roll up a little bit during the day with some heat but what's causing that is it just is it avoiding some of the heat or do we actually have root development issues we're not getting enough water when are we rolling up and when are we unrolling there it's not just as cut and dried as did the plants roll up today gotcha hey adam thanks a lot for your time today do you have an email or a, a way somebody if anybody has a specific question we didn't ask or anything that they could get in touch with you yeah, sure. Um, I guess first, I think talking to someone local is probably the best way to go about it. But uh, my email is adam.brinker at pioneer.com. If someone would like to get a hold of me about something or has some questions about what's going on kind of in South Central or Southeast Iowa. But again, uh, talking with your agronomist or someone locally can probably help you out better on your uh, on your immediate local issues. Great advice. And again, uh, with the AgView pitch, we want to just make sure everybody uh, is getting their questions answered. And so if you have questions, if there's things that we didn't bring up from the agronomy side of things, please let us know and we can get in touch with the right people to get some good answers and, and have some good discussion on things. And again, Adam, thanks a lot for your time today. We really appreciate it. Yep. Thanks for having me. You bet. And again, today, thanks for everybody joining us on the AgView pitch, and we will catch you next time. Thanks again for listening, podcast, and if you're interested in the tool, be sure to email us and we will get it sent over as soon as possible. Again, the email is c-b-a-r-r-o-n at agviewsolutions.com. We will catch you next time on the AgView Pitch.